Hello, and welcome to the Independent Oxford podcast in collaboration with Oxford City Council. Discover the stories behind Oxford's businesses and famous landmarks from those who live and work here. Hi and welcome to this edition of the Independent Oxford podcast. Um, Today I'm talking to Jo Jennings from Holistic Health. Um, So let's jump straight in. Let's find out a bit about yourself and why you set up Holistic Health. Yeah, I've been practising as an acupuncturist for getting on 12 years now. I I guess I'd always been interested in in health and wanting to sort of serve my community in that way. And it, it, it sort of took a trip, a gap year basically, in my in my youth uh, around Southeast Asia. And yeah, just sort of reading some of the literature there around their more holistic approach to life. And then I think eventually that sort of percolated through. And I, just as I'd come back, I kept looking into different health options and sort of naturopathy. And, but then just, yeah, kept coming back to Chinese medicine. It's as it's sort of standalone science and philosophy. Yeah, that it had its own diagnostic protocols. It wouldn't just sort of rely on Western protocols. Uh, And then from there, you could apply really interesting treatment strategies um, to help people out. So you'd always been quite interested in helping people and caring for people. And you were thinking about becoming a doctor, is that right? Yeah, so um, I, I even applied for a few universities and was, I guess, gearing up to look at going into surgery whilst I got the grades I think I hadn't quite shown enough interest shadowing doctors or um those kinds of things and it it, it just didn't yeah go so well at interview um (laughs) it might have also been that they saw through my ruse of it was just as um the top up a second round of top up fees were happening and I tried to apply then but defer it so I could have the gap year so I wouldn't pay the top up fees I think that was a bit obvious and so (laughs) (laughs) quite exceptional enough for uh, getting through in that way um but yeah I think it was um a bit of a silver lining in the end and I, yeah it, it, it's such an interesting area to be a part of um a lot harder as a career path but um but yeah really really nice to be involved in what I'm doing and so um when did you decide to set up holistic health as a business and, and kind of think about the community aspect? I think it was, so when I first came out of uni, I was lucky enough to get some work in rehab centres as an acupuncturist in the golden days when funding was still a thing. And um, I was there for four years and it was always free at the point of service. And the the, the, the kinds of people I was working with and the, and the difficulties they were having, it was you know, really tough cases and just people that usually wouldn't be able to uh, sort of reach or access my services essentially but then yeah after four years the funding did get cut and so it took me about a year of sort of really going through my mind about how I could you know help these people again but it had to be in a way that sort of over that year I'd done different projects I linked up with mine for a while but it was always going to be either funding from an external source having a free room or me doing much reduced rates so actually in sort of long-term sustainability of those kinds of projects are always a bit fraught and multi-beds had always existed actually I'd I'd helped in Oxford sort of yeah years before but they tended to be just sort of two people an hour and so it would still be starting at about 25-35 pounds for an initial session so sometimes double that because it can be really useful having a bit more time first time around to just spend a bit more time to get to know the patient and have a bit more time to go into depth with the diagnosis and consultation. The way I've sort of circumvented that essentially is just using some really simple technology um, to have a really in-depth intake form 
which means that most of the chatting is is sort of I don't need to do it. I can just sort of the evening before go through any new patients, just sort of check up on previous notes from patients, pre-existing patients that I'd be seeing again, and then get all that prepared. And then yeah, on the day it's for four people an hour, so it means I'm charging just well, I'm doing sliding scale now. Originally I was having it much lower, um, but that's so we can support a much larger organization and reach more people. But yeah, when I started, it was £15 per session. Treatment would always be the same as one-to-ones. I wanted to make sure that, that was, you know, that you wouldn't be any, getting anything less, aside from a little bit of time with me, which, you know, that's always lovely. But uh, <laughs> but but yeah, the the treatment is the same. The time you're down with the needles is the same. It's just that um, it's each 15 minutes, I see another patient um, pop needles in, get them to to rest and then um as they are i'll, I'll see two more people so it's, it's quite fast paced but um but yeah it's almost actually uh the end of the month it'll be three years that i've been doing the community clinics now um and so I started with just an afternoon in florence park community center and now i'm up to two full days there i've got three other practitioners um in three well <laughs> if, if it wasn't for coronavirus i would have three other <laughs> practitioners in three other locations and in fact actually that the plan was that last autumn we would have had two more locations probably Banbury and Bista and would be helping 100 people a week but obviously that hasn't quite transpired yet. So tell me how coronavirus has affected the business over the last year. It's been super tricky and super variable it's really sort of depended on the location and I mean the whims of the government. In some ways it's been quite good so in the first lockdown we were classed alongside masseurs, beauty therapists, hairdressers. Um, so we weren't allowed to work at all. And our governing body, the British Acupuncture Council, was sort of reeling to, especially the insurers withdrew our insurance. So we were just sort of forced to stop everything. And so that was for about three months where, yeah, we just couldn't help anyone. And I think everyone was sort of, you know, more for it the first time around and it being super cautious. And I'd, I'd shut down a couple of weeks, community clinics anyway, a couple of weeks before the government did just... For the safety of my patients um you know we had no clue back then but so i think sort of people got through that okay but obviously as as the time's gone on um we're just seeing more and more degeneration in various patient groups um particularly mental health <laughs> and then also those that happen to work from home and just in less than ideal circumstances there's a lot of aches and pains as well coming through so yeah we were available able to reopen eventually obviously with much updated safety protocols and guidance both from government and and our regulatory bodies with the Mm -hmm. second lockdown actually quite excitingly we were then considered as medical health practitioners um (laughs) i mean we obviously always thought we were or like (laughs) like to think we were um but actually that's that's quite a huge gain for the profession and even now in the third lockdown we're considered frontline health practitioners and i think we've just found out that we're going to be fast-tracked for the vaccine as well so in terms of recognition for the profession it's it's really increased but then yeah the difficulty has been with the venues for for the community clinics particularly I I moved on my one-to-ones to my house where I can manage the sort of health and hygiene and safety of it all for everyone much more effectively yeah it's it's varied on location so Didcot and Abingdon which are both larger centres and basically have to have staff on to be able to be open they've sort of had their hire as decimated and I was hoping to carry on naturally happened to be quite good we did reopen there till autumn and so we've just got Botley and we did have Florence Park but they took a committee decision sort of against all of the uh, regulatory guidance um, that they were going to close down and that's that's been quite difficult both 
in terms of my patients and for myself as well because I know that there were quite a few people sort of really suffering essentially as a result of this I've managed to move across to Dean Court but it's further away for some some people are it's just quite hard for them to travel I'm only able to do it a day a week and so actually yeah it's only about half the people I would have been seeing that I'm able to see there now so yeah there's I, I suppose as we all know there are just so many gaps that people are falling through whether it's sort of me and my work or the people that we help in the community and yeah mental health and and sort of physical well-being are just dropping uh, and I know that patients have had to be go to A&E or, or sort of take up more NHS resources as well um, during this time so it's I'm, I'm finding that quite hard to cope with but yeah I suppose on, on the other side there have been some positives I've been trying to make an app for quite a while and um, because there's been so much funding out there and you know I, financially I've, I've, I've been able to get enough support which has been you know been really grateful and lucky for and it's sort of hopefully will come out stronger I've, I've managed to get some for for doing a sort of videography and um all sort of social media blow out when we when we come back so hopefully that will get people back into the clinics and really shout about some of the newer ones and then yeah we've got this really exciting app which just essentially streamline the process that i created and make it so we can collect and utilize some of the data obviously anonymized but the long-term dream has always been to get on the NHS and essentially we just need to prove the efficacy and we can't do that without data. So hopefully come springtime, we'll have some pretty exciting new develops on, developments on the horizon. I think that the effect, um, you know, the knock-on effect of services being reduced is is definitely a big concern for so many people and we don't even know kind of the, the real fallout of this yet, do we? And I think there is going to be a lot of PTSD and people and just that when it's over, that feeling of release, I think, is going to, you know, bring up a lot of problems for people. On the flip side, you know, it's it's good to hear the the kind of silver lining stories as as well alongside that, that people have had time to to work on their their businesses as you know they can't work in their businesses that's really encouraging to hear and, and really exciting to hear about about the app and uh, just developing that that side of the business so obviously we're now in 2021 hopefully the end is near what are your what are your kind of hopes and plans for for the next 12 months it's a really good and I think tough question at the moment I suppose I sort of bottomed out on just what is going to be possible. Uh, I I don't imagine that things are going to get much better till summer. So I think for the next few months, it is just in as many ways as possible, trying to still help the community where we can. So I've, I've applied for funding to give free sessions to teachers and NHS staff, which would be enough for 200 sessions if we do get it. So, so hopefully we'll be able to help them because I know you know, saying some of the sort of PTSD that, that might be coming through, I think that's where it's going to be felt the most. And, and they're the ones that really need the support at the moment. I mean, can you imagine what they're going through? I've, I've you know, only got a small inkling, but yeah, so just try and, and be as, as useful and supportive as possible. But it depends so much on what government policy and then what um, community centre policy is. Um, so just hoping that we can remain open as much as possible. Yeah, looking a bit further forward, I mean, definitely getting the app up and running sort of be tested and and then just working um and then i suppose trying to take that more nationally again sort of looking more nationally i don't think there are many community clinics that operate at the sort of scale and and then reduce prices that that we do and it, it just makes acupuncture so much more accessible to so, so many more people so i'll be speaking to different groups to try and get them to take 
it on as well. Well, that all sounds really exciting and really looking forward to seeing how that progresses. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. Thank you for having me. That's all right. And I will see you soon. Thanks, Joe. This podcast forms part of a collaborative project between Independent Oxford and Oxford City Council to support the city's independent businesses 